Okay, it's going to be a pretty short message tonight. Just do it. Okay. Good evening. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, um, that should have been the title of the message, actually. I thought about that. Um, but um, I don't know why this is the title. Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do I remember you. Um, oh, you know what? I've got no Bible up here. <laughs> well, um, I don't know what your guys' routine is, but, but I imagine you might have one if you're settling in to watch <clears throat> a movie in your favorite chair at home. Um, and I suspect that you might uh, get yourself into a posture that you uh, want to get into before you hit the play button. It might involve, maybe it's like a lazy boy and you've got to get the recliner in just the right recline angle, get the foot rest in the right position. And, um, and then you've got to work to get, you know, your drink and your snacks in the right um, position for your arms to work, like you don't knock them over, and, uh, and then you're ready to hit the play button. Well, um, similarly, just to refresh our memories, the last time uh, we were in James, which was two weeks ago, uh, James mentioned four things that we should do to help us get into the proper posture as we seek to hear and listen to God's Word. And those four things were this. <clears throat> Have a listening ear. Be slow to speak. And uh, which was really to seek to understand first before we start opening our mouths. Be slow to get angry. In other words, uh, we talk about don't just be in an auto-react setting to what you're hearing in a negative way. But, but really consider what's being said. And then fourth, get rid of filth and wickedness in your lives. In other words, work to root out weeds and break up that hard ground that will prevent the word from germinating and growing. Um, now, the verses we look at today, and I was kind of half kidding when I said it's going to be a short message because, um, you know, James gets right to the point here and there's nothing, we were kind of joking about this this week about messages being two inches deep, but... Uh, <laughs> James just to the point. I mean, he doesn't. It's, he doesn't have to get very far. He just comes out and tells you what it is. And so, what we're going to see today is as easy as one, two, and three. There's one command. There's two options, and there's three applications. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read read the passage again um, a little uh, just before we start here. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, 
This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So the one command is that we be a doer, not just a hearer. And I think that we could make, um, well, I want to start off with just a statement. Um, our desire should be to hear what he is saying with a desire towards doing as he directs. And I'm going to say that one, one time. This is probably the big idea, if I have one. Our desire should be to hear what he is saying with a desire towards doing as he directs. Um, in verse 21, uh, from last week, we talked about receiving the word of God. And I think that we could make the connection that just having a mental knowledge to the word, um, that is just hearing and listening to it, does not fully complete what James meant by receiving the word unless it is accompanied with doing. Those two have to be together to complete that receiving action. Hearing the word is, of course, necessary and important, and um, it'd be a misunderstanding to think that James is opposed to listening to the word, but what he opposes is hearing the word um, that does not lead to doing. Um, now, we see here that uh, James' exhortation um, is not an anomaly in Scripture, and I wanted to point out a couple verses. Um, he's in good company with Paul. In Romans 2.13, Paul said, It is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. And then James is concerned here is also in line with Jesus' teaching. Jesus said in Luke 11.28, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So we see here where James um, talks about um, the blessed doer. Um, got it from his brother himself. Of course, we know that Paul and Jesus' teachings were filled with the overwhelming, amazing wonder of God's grace, reaching down to sinful people in the gospel, and that's what we sang about tonight. But we can't overlook either that their teachings also summoned believers to an obedience that is just really our reasonable and necessary response to God's grace. And I think of that verse... Um, in Romans where it talks about um, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is, one translation says, your reasonable service of worship. It's just, it's the reasonable thing to do. And in the same way, what James is trying to say is, the reasonable thing to do is to do, is to do the word. That's the reasonable response to God's grace. Um, so now James goes on to explain this a little further by giving us two contrasting options. <clears throat> the first is we can be a forgetful hearer. Um, verse 23 through 25 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Well, I know by looking at all of you tonight that you all looked in a mirror before you came to the service tonight. 
And you might ask, how will I know that? And uh, I tell you because I know what I look like when I wake up in the morning and um, I don't look like this. So <laughs> I know that you guys looked in a mirror and you, and you did and you responded. You took, you took action. You, you weren't a forgetful looker in the mirror today. Um, well, the Word of God is the greatest mirror that God ever made available to us. And um, we can be very thankful that we, even in our day and time, have it in a language that we speak, in print that we can read, and in words that we can understand. Um, now, if we continue living this first option, this forgetful hearer option, um, we're on our way to living that disconnected life that we talked a lot about last week, okay, or two weeks ago. There will be a separation between what the mirror of the Word of God says and how I live. And, um, you know, we can think of, you can think about that this week. I mean, I'm, I'm making this statement, and I was thinking, is this an overstatement? But I think that you just ought to meditate on, on it some. If you take time to really, really think about it, check and see if the reality is, if when you're a forgetful hearer, if it's because you don't care. Um, you might think, no, it's because I don't have time or I'm distracted or I'm busy with other things, but, but just really do a, a, a hard heart check and meditate on why we're forgetful hearers and, and see if it doesn't come down to, I don't care in, in, in reality. And, and, and I, the reason I say that is because I think that what part of the deception is for us when we're forgetful hearers is, um, that's part of the deception. We're, we're deceived into thinking that we care. Um, because we take part, we might take part in religious activities. We might still show up, you know, to the service on Saturday. We might even have a fairly consistent time of reading the Bible. But we really don't take actions to change. We don't take actions when God prompts us to change. That we're not interested in those things. Um, it, it's it's kind of like uh, I think of my health or or something things that I know that 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 should be done for me to feel better, and I know things that cause me to not feel better, right? And um, and and someone could say like, well, it's because you really don't care that you know that you keep eating junk food. It's really because you really don't care that you don't you know, do some form of exercise. And I could say, I could make all kinds of excuses and say, no, it's because I'm busy and, and my job and this and that. But if I really think hard about it, I mean, I can't blame anything on something else. It's because I really don't care. <laughs> and, and so, so that's, that's, that's kind of an analogy of this. If I did care about these things, I'd open my heart and welcome God to direct me in his ways. I'd, I'd stop the anger, I'd control my tongue, I'd see myself in his mirror and have the attitude, God, show me what needs to change. But the forgetful hearer doesn't do that. He looks at the mirror with no plans to change, so then he quickly forgets. Actually, I, I, he might have plans to change, but he quickly forgets. And it says when we do this, we deceive ourselves. But we can follow the second and better option. Now, if you notice, 
um, that both hearers take the time to actually look intently to the mirror. But notice that the second one, it says, it uses the word perseveres. And so I kind of take, take, my takeaway from that is this. This obedient doer, he looks carefully, gets up close to the mirror, pays attention to the details, allows God to expose his problem or what needs to change and says, God, help me to change. And then perseveres in taking the steps to do so. And that word perseveres implies to me that effort is involved in being a doer versus just being a hearer only. Um, it's going to take effort. And these are the facts I was thinking about, right? Good can come from hearing and listening to the Word of God in and of itself because of the power of the Word of God. The Word of God can do everything it states it can do, which is a lot, right? From Hebrews, we know that the Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is able to pierce through to the thoughts and intentions of the heart. According to Psalm 19, it can revive the soul, make the simple wise, rejoice our hearts, enlighten our eyes, and warn us. From 2 Timothy 3, we know it is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. So that's a lot of wonderful, great, and even powerful things that just the Word of God itself can do. But just like no mirror has ever combed my hair after pointing out that it needed combing and dressed me appropriately after revealing to me that I'm dressed inappropriately, none of these great and wonderful and powerful things that I just stated that the Word of God can do said that it could get me out of bed in the morning. The Word of God is not going to ask my spouse for forgiveness when I need to. The Word of God is not going to put in an honest day's work for my employer as I ought to do. And the Word of God is not going to love my neighbors around me and treat them with respect as it tells me to do. So the Word of God is powerful and it's got its place and it can do many, many wonderful things. But uh, it also directs me to do things um, that uh, it can't do for me. So when we allow ourselves to be exposed by the Word, I urge all of us to think honestly about having an openness to the Lord, about what He is wanting to reveal to you, and if He desires you to act on something that He is um, revealing to you, then just do it. Ask Him for grace to help. Ask Him to give you the want to. I pray those kind of prayers. I ask Him to give me the desire, to give me the willpower, to give me the want to um, that, I, that, that I don't have, that, that I'm weak in. Let's transition to um, the three applications. As I said at the beginning, there's three of them. <clears throat> the first application is this. If you want to be a person who does not want your life to look like it is a life divorced from the truth of who you are called to be as a follower of Christ, keep your tongue under control. Verse 26 says this, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious is worthless. 
probably a uh, modern, modern day translation would say, your religion is a joke, man. I'm not sure if there is anything more powerful that demonstrates a genuine faith to those around us than that little set of muscles in our mouths. In mixed company with the world, and I dare say even with just believers these days, and I'm sure that you all have stories, maybe we'll hear about in the discussion time that you've experienced this. Having control of those muscles in your mouth, it can set you apart quicker than anything else. Imagine being in mixed company with the world around you and your self-controlled tongue not cursing, not complaining, not speaking ill of others, not gossiping. But even more than that, you're even one whose tongue is known for apologizing and seeking forgiveness, known for being grateful for things and for people, one who speaks kind and compassionate things. Trust me, people notice, especially children. Um, so, uh, for all of us who, you know, have influences of children, uh, whatever our role is, aunts, uncles, parents, grandparents, just neighbors of children. Um, I mean, I can think back of when I was, um, used to go to church with my parents and, um, um, it, it, it wasn't an evangelical church or anything, but uh, our Sunday routine was go to church and then and then leave and then go to Dunkin' Donuts, get a dozen donuts, and then go to the 7-Eleven and get some milk and then go home. Uh, but it was just, I mean, as a child, if we go to church and then... Well, it's like my stepfather would try to like race to get to the car and want to be the first one out of the parking lot, but it, it's like if someone cut him off or he couldn't be the first one in line or something. I mean, I heard things out of his mouth that just, as a boy, I just, I already thought, I mean, <laughs> something doesn't connect here. You know, this these dots aren't connecting. You know, we just came out of this place where they were talking about something that sounded peaceful and loving and kind and then I go out here and and this isn't this isn't connecting. And so I mean doing that week in and week out, eventually, you know, you start to realize this just uh, I don't think I want this for my life. You know, and that wasn't in, that wasn't like in, that wasn't a Bible preaching, gospel preaching church, but it was a church that did speak some truths from the Word of God. So I mean, you, you, you got enough uh, to, or you heard enough to understand that um, that there was something said to live a certain way, and something a life disconnected from that. Well, the second and third applications are found here in verse. 27 <clears throat> says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So I don't I don't believe that James or I'd say that my understanding is that James is not attempting here to say 
that pure and undefiled religion is summarized by only these two things, but rather that genuine, authentic religion would not look like something without these two things being a part of that picture, if that makes sense. Um, I think our lives should reflect these, these two things, but I don't believe he's saying, like, these are the only two things that God, you know, cares about. Um, now, these two areas of life involve social concern and moral purity. Um, this is kind of a theme of God. Uh, care for orphans and widows was commanded in the Old Testament, um, and it was keeping with imitating God's own concern for them. There's verses in the Old Testament where uh, one in particular Psalm 68.5 where it says that uh, God is the father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. There's a time in Isaiah where God is calling his people to return to him and he says, um, I'm imploring my people to bring justice to the fatherless and to plead the widow's cause. The point is that Christians, whose religion is genuine, will imitate God the Father by intervening to help the helpless in the world. And the helpless in the world should see abundant evidence of us as Christians as part of our practice, our, our, our faith walk. And um, this is convicting to me um, because I... We can talk about this in the discussion time. I'm going to leave this open. Uh, we can talk about this. In the, but um, sometimes I wonder if like, the world doesn't see enough of that in, in, the, in the walk of believers. Um, and maybe I'm just thinking about my own life to where they, they don't see this evidence. So, um, you know, they, they wonder about the authenticity or genuineness of, of my faith. The third and last application is to not let the world corrupt you. You live life in a way that refuses to adapt to the culture. And I'm not talking about carrying big signs and banners and yelling at everybody because we don't do this or that, and they do. Um, but James is talking about living above the culture, and what I mean by that is to avoid thinking and acting in accordance with the value system of the society around us. Um, the society around us today reflects by and large um, some beliefs and practices that are um, not in line with you know, God's ways, and in some cases they're becoming actively um, anti-Christian. But our actions are driven by our attitudes and beliefs. And so that is why it is so very important for James to include this third application. And it's interesting just to even think that this is something that was written about over 2,000 years ago, and it still applies today. I mean, so it's not like it's new. It's not like uh, these Christians here had to be any less alert to what was going on in their day than, than we do in our day. I mean, God knew that this is just part of, of, of walking this road of life uh, in our culture. Um, but we need to be constantly aware of not letting the taint of the culture around us 
that has lost its way rub off on what our attitudes and beliefs should be in accordance with the Word of God. So there you have it. One command, be a doer of the Word, two options, the forgetful hearer or the blessed doer, and three applications. One, a tongue under God's control. Two, a compassionate heart like the heart of our Father that leads to action in the lives of the helpless. And three, living lives that display Jesus to the culture around us rather than Jesus' light in us being hidden by the attitudes and beliefs of the culture having gotten the best of us. Let's close in prayer. Father, um, I'm just constantly amazed at your wisdom and that uh, your word is timeless. Um, all these exhortations from James, they just are applicable in any time period in history. And um, God, I, I appreciate the um, candidness and black and whiteness, if you will, of um, the call us to be doers of your word. And uh, uh, but as these songs were about mercy, Lord, I you know that what gets in our way is our flesh, selfishness, um, um, wanting to do what we want to do, wanting to be lazy, any, lots of different things. Um, not having a big enough care factor to overcome all of those sins. And God, you said that you are you are at work in us both to will and to work for your good pleasure. And God, that's what I want to pray for all of us this evening, God. Um, that that you that your power and grace and what you are doing to work in us for your good pleasure would would enable us to to um, to be doers of your word and to um, to have this heart to when we're exposed to your word God um, hear your voice and and just hear if you're asking us to do some small thing God that we would respond and, and do it Lord and um, and just follow through with it, God. And uh, I ask you this in Jesus' name.